Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Hello, everyone, and welcome aboard the final podcast of 2021 uh, for the Sing Second Sports team. I am John Schofield. Joining me is Ward Carroll. Also joining us, special guests from the Capital Gazette, Bill Wagner, and Chris Cervello is our producer. So let's get right to it. When it was all said and done, after all the uniform reveals, after the back and forth, after the trolling on social media, after all the crap. And after all the rain came through uh, Friday night and into Saturday morning, uh, they got between the lines on Saturday and on CBS, Navy and Army faced off. And we are so happy to report, in case you were living under a rock, that Navy won 17 to 13. An absolutely complete effort. Um, I, I could not have been happier with Ty Lavatai, who went four for six in the air uh, for 82 yards, you know, and, and he spread it around. Michael Cooper had a 28-yard reception. Freshman sensation, Mikel Haywood had a 24-yard reception. Mark Walker had an 18-yard reception. And Chance Warren uh, with an outstanding catch uh, for a 12-yard gain, and that's 84 yards. Navy dominated time of possession uh, by almost 10 minutes over Army. Held Army to a season low. In offense, um, they had not been held to that few yards all year long, and Newberry's defense held Army to 232 total yards, only 124 gained on the ground, and a majority of that came on kind of a, a, a heart-wrenching uh, opening drive for Army that made us think, and I remember looking right at Chris Cervello, uh, when Army scored that quickly, that this was going to be ugly, and it wasn't. They turned around, had a great, great performance with no turnovers, had a great day on special teams, and we'll get to the much ballyhooed fake punt that wasn't a called fake punt. But I, again, you win time of possession by 10 minutes, you don't turn the ball over, you control play. You have your your signature long drives. Uh, the touchdown drive to answer armies was a long drive. And then, damn, the, that last drive, Bill Wagner talked about it in his great article on the front cover of the uh, Capital Gazette sports section today. It was just a signature drive to go down there for Bijan to extend the lead to four, a lead that stayed at four with the final score 17-13. So, we chose timeliness on Sunday over sound quality, and, and we appreciate, as always, you joining this, the Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis postgame report. So I'm going to go right to Ward Carroll. Ward, you, you had a great opportunity to interact with the team. You had breakfast with them. You told us uh, day of that they looked ready, that they sounded ready. What was your evaluation of what you saw on Saturday? So as you said, um, yeah, I had tea. I, had, I, I didn't have breakfast, you know, with the team when they were eating, I had breakfast at their facility 
before they ate accidentally. <laughs> so because I was trying to have a normal breakfast and they said, oh no, your breakfast is downstairs. So I walk in and I'm the only guy there. And the help is like, and it's a huge ballroom, you know, with this long buffet line. And they're like, hey, yeah, here's your, uh, your pancakes and your eggs and your bacon. So I just ate and I walk out and I ran into uh, the team chaplain. And she's like, what's your association with the team? Uh, I'm like, well, um, on the chain gang. Um, and she's like, yeah, that you weren't supposed to eat here. I'm like, oh, okay, sorry. Um, but I did wind up having a long conversation immediately after that with, um, with, with Brian Fitzpatrick. And, and he was very resolute and he was confident and they did have some tricks up their sleeve that they did execute um, to good effect. So right from the, and this is, we're talking, you know, nine o'clock in the morning when, when I'm having this conversation. <clears throat> and so I uh, got over to the stadium um, early at 1030 and, and surveyed the scene and, uh, you know, was just taking it all in. One of the sort of inside baseball uh, things with respect to being on the chain gang is normally I'm on the home sideline, which I enjoy. Right. And so Navy's home this year. That's why we were working the chains. We're an AAC crew um, that was an AAC officials. And uh, so you get to see all the stuff on the side on the home sideline, including, you know, all the VIPs and the other pageantry that's happening there. And it was amazing as usual. And I think the fact that last year was COVID and this year was in the general New York City metro area, there were more celebs and, and more VIPs uh, around. And, and it was really sort of a who's who kind of thing. And that was that's always fun uh, to say hello and, and, and uh, that kind of thing. But we were meeting with our side judge, whose name is uh, is Baron, and he looks at the logo on the field and he asks Brian Gaughan, who's a classmate of mine who, who does uh, the chains as well. He goes, where's the press box? And Brian points up to over our shoulder and we're on the West Point sideline. And he goes, okay, I need the chains on the other sideline, meaning he wants the primary down box, the primary chains on the home sideline, which is normally not how it is, right? And, and uh, so long story short, uh, or long story less as long as it could be, um, I wound up working the West Point sideline for the first time ever in half a dozen Army-Navy games that I've done. Uh, and so that was interesting to watch how they operate compared to the intimate view I, I've had of Navy over the last seven years or so. Um, and so... Um, you know, I'll tell you, Monken is the real deal. He's stoic. He's he's less given to sort of emotional uh, sort of highs and lows uh, compared to Niamatololo. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just observing that that's kind of how it is. They they run a very quiet sideline. Um, and uh, so, as you said, John, with that first breakaway, I was like you. I'm like, here we go. Right. And then we did a Navy series, which is to say, Four, four yards, there was that nice pass play. Ty found his legs and his arms. So I'm going to say when he's got his confidence, he's got a Will Worth cannon. I mean, he was was throwing these frozen ropes, and Coop was doing good receptions, and the, the receivers were showing up this game. And so there was sort of a confidence there. And I think Diego sort of set that tone with his after-game comments about Army thought they were the last of the hard and there are little brothers. So that's kind of smack talky that, you know, we'll see how that plays out in the coming years. Now that Diego's leaving, 
He's like, hey, here, teammates, underclass, here's a hand grenade for you going into next year. But it was chippier than any Army-Navy game I've seen. Um, a lot of after, you know, a lot of intramurals after the play, a lot of, a lot of, you know, my side judge had to leave the sidelines a lot to break up, you know, sort of uh, brush fires that were happening. Um, and he, you saw that even at the end of the game, we were taking a knee. There was some, some back and forth and we're like, Hey, come on. This is, this is not feeling like America's game here, guys. You know, let's knock that off. Cause you know, band of brothers and fields of strife. And, you know, so, um, I thought that was interesting that Diego said that. Um, and then as you've already sort of teased out that he uh, admitted as coach also admitted that that wasn't a called play, which is uh, amazing when you watch the replay too. I mean, in real time, it was amazing. And it was like, it seemed like Diego was running in slow-mo, you know, it was just like, uh, I couldn't believe he caught it. Like well, for yeah, me, well, for, the real for, athletic play was him catching that. Cause Gwyn, fired that snap back at him. It almost went over his shoulder. I mean, if it weren't for Diego's quick reflexes, that yeah. ball gets snapped probably all the way back to the goal line. Right. And Army probably recovers, and it's a significant change. So from my, from my vantage point, it looked less dramatic than the replay because I'm looking at it from the side, right? I'm at the line of scrimmage looking at it from the side, and it looked like it went right to him, and he meant to catch it. But what was, again, like – Come on. It was like every step, but just to get, you know, what did they have like two yards to make the first on that one? Um, and it just seemed like it was, it was taking forever. And then Monken, you could just see, he's like, oh my God. He was like looking over at a special teams guy, like what happened, right? They were just, the air came out of their balloon on that play. Um, and they were trying to look like ineligible receiver. They're grasping, you know, talking to the refs like that can't be legal. Right. And uh, so that was kind of beautiful to see that reaction from the West Point sideline there. Um, so, you know, fantastic game. I'll let Wags do the deep dive analysis. The other, other the other play that stands out to me is that shoestring tackle of their fullback. Um, you know, if he breaks, he's gone. Right. Because we had, you know, Newberry called a blitz of sorts, whatever the run version of a blitz would be. And we were all front loaded and he broke through that first line of defense. And, and it was literally the safety with a shoestring tackle, literally a shoestring tackle on that big guy. And that big guy didn't do a whole lot. Uh, and he was humongous. Um, and so he's a huge, he's we, a stopped, huge dude. we stopped him really well. So defense showed up stops when they had to offense was alive in a way that we've criticized all season so the, 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 the shifts at the line of scrimmage were crisp and they, they threw off the army defense. And the, so that was the special thing that, that Brian teased out at breakfast that they were going to be doing. And we hadn't seen that uh, to, to the degree we did it. And we sure, certainly hadn't seen the regimentation of it. Uh, they looked like they really knew what they were doing on that. Yeah. So Wags, let me uh, kick it to you by reading what I thought was just a golden intro to your story. Chance Warren literally ran over a defender 75 pounds heavier to convert a broken trick play on fourth down and set up the go-ahead touchdown. Inside linebacker Diego Fago broke a tackle attempt to convert a fake punt on fourth down and set up the game-clinching field goal. Those two seniors displayed the type of determined effort Navy needed to upset Army on a dark, dreary Saturday afternoon 10 miles from the site of the 9-11 terrorist attacks in New York City. 
So obviously the seniors showed up. Ty was absolutely key. And the defense, led by Diego Fago, nine tackles, two quarterback hurries, um, two solo tackles. He, he was just fantastic. So senior leadership won the day. Um, you know, what was your evaluation beyond that, Wags? Well, John, first of all, I love hearing you read the intro to my article and makes me think that guy actually knows how to write a little bit. I think so. <laughs> well, to me, that was what a, the determination is a word. Absolute willpower, sheer determination. Navy seniors are not going to let Navy lose this game. I mean, Chance Warren, he had, was a reverse where he was supposed to pass back to Ty Lavatai. Army blew it up. They got pressure immediately. Chance didn't have time to set and throw the ball. He had to run. Um, and he was way in the backfield. And he turned the corner. And he got right to the first down marker. And I've watched the replay several times now. And he was met by Andre Carter, who was a beast. That's Army's big outside linebacker slash defensive end, six foot five, 265 pounds. And Chance ran right through him. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe he just blew right through Andre Carter and gained another 15 yards. And that set up first to goal from the two. And of course, Ty. Lavatai punched it over from there. And then, you know, Diego. Uh, and we'll get into the non-fake punt call a little bit more because I really dissected that and analyzed it. I even talked to Ethan, the freshman long snapper, and it's actually it's spelled N-G-U-Y-E-N, which I was thinking Nagayan, but it's actually pronounced win. So uh, that's kind of interesting. Um Ethan win, Navy wins, but um, we'll get into that. But I mean, Diego, that was an incredible athletic play he made. Had no idea the ball was coming. Win snapped it like a bullet. <laughs> I mean, good Lord, he got it back there in like half a second. It was on Diego's head. And Ethan Wynn even said, I put it in Diego's eye. <laughs> and he did. And Diego had to quick react, catch the ball, start running. Because he didn't know he was running a fake, he hadn't had a plan of attack. He wasn't looking as to where the Army defenders were lined up. So he just started running. And if, if you look back at the replay, if he'd cut inside of a block, he would have had it easy. But he went outside of his black in that block, and that allowed the defender to get his arms on him. And Diego just, you know, stiff-armed him, threw him to the ground. And then he jumped over another guy. And that's, to me, what this game was about, the determination of Navy, particularly the seniors, to not lose, to make whatever play had to be made. And Ward referenced it. That was actually senior cornerback Michael McMorris, who played his ass off. Boy, did he have a good game, Michael McMorris. Um, but that was him that got Jacoby Buchanan, the Army fullback, and he's not the only big Army fullback. They got three of them. Buchanan's 260. Anthony Atkins is 250. And they had a young, another guy that came in who's in that range. They have three horses of fullbacks. But, you know, Ward said it exactly correct. And it wasn't Newberry's call, by the way. 
because I talked to Newberry after the game. He didn't tell Diego to run blitz. Diego did that on his own. It was fourth down, and Diego thought he was going to make a play, and he charged the line of scrimmage at the snap of the ball, and he lost. He tried jumping over the center, and meanwhile, the fullback was out the back door, and, and Ward was absolutely correct. There was nothing but green grass between Jacoby Buchanan and the end zone, and it would have been a foot race, and I'm hopeful that a Navy defender would have been able to run him down, but no matter what, Army would have been down in the red zone knocking on the door to win the game with a touchdown. And Michael McMorris, who's all of about 165 pounds, got Jacoby Buchanan, this big, giant 260-pounder, by the ankles and wouldn't let go until his teammates could rally there and help get the guy down. That was an incredible play. And there was just so many of those throughout the game. that, And that, to me, was the story. Navy seniors were not about to lose on this day. And it was a sophomore quarterback, Ty Lavatai, who helped deliver the victory. Ty was terrific. He, we, Keenan Reynolds said on the Believe in Navy football podcast, Ty's got to play well. you got to have the quarterback play well in an Army-Navy game. And Ty did it. He was fantastic, ran the offense well, executed. Uh, great passing, as Ward referenced. We have some real bullets on target. Long gains, you know, 24, 28, as John was mentioning in the intro. And then he scores two touchdowns. How about that first touchdown on the goal line from the eight-yard line? Ty goes bust up the middle, and then boom, he's met by two Army defenders. It was like really a hard hit. And James Harris, the fullback, grabs Ty from behind. Uh, or from in front, he was in front of Ty, but he grabs, reaches back and grabs Ty and starts pulling him toward the end zone. And then Kip Franklin, the tackle, comes in from behind and pushes him in. That said it all. That was like, okay, Navy has come to play. It was just, it was exciting. It was thrilling. I really enjoyed it. I mean, the, as I said on our pregame podcast, it's been such a difficult season for Navy. Going into Army 3-8, and eight, they needed this so bad. and. You know, all is well in the world of Navy football today because Navy beat Army, and that's all that matters. And everyone is so happy of the jubilant locker room afterwards. I'm watching the guys come off the field so excited and going in the locker room. And uh, I will mention that we had Brian Broadwater talking about Brian Bourgeois on our Army-Navy Week pod. And Brian Bourgeois's widow and children were in the Navy locker room to celebrate and Megan Bourgeois spoke to the team, addressed the team, and said how proud she was that they would win here in this week in which her husband was killed. And uh, that her, they always sing the, uh, the fight song, Sail Navy Down the Field, and um, they usually take the, one of the smaller players and throw him up in the air repeatedly while singing the song. They did that with Brian Bourgeois' youngest son, he was the one that they kept throwing up in the air as they sang the song. It was pretty damn cool, John. I'll tell you what, I don't know how you held it together because if I saw them in the locker room, uh, I, I would have been I would have been in tears. And I was in tears at the end. You know, I'll bring Chris in to kind of comment on something that I noticed, uh, although I noticed it through my own tears. I have never heard blue and gold sung as loud as it was. Um, you know, and I know that Ward has talked about blue and gold in the past about guys going arm in arm and swang and, and kind of doing blue and gold and not the traditional way. 
And I'm not arguing for or against that. I just know that having been on the field in the past, been in the stands in the past, not been on the field anymore by the time they sing blue and gold and out in the parking lot having an Irish car bomb, um, this one was so loud and it was so, everyone was so happy. Um, it, it just felt like a return to normalcy, right? Yeah, I, th I think you're right, John. Um, it was quite a moment. Um, the whole day was uh, was special from uh, being able to uh, enjoy the pageantry uh, before the game and the camaraderie, uh, you know, tailgating with both Army and Navy fans. And then to see Navy play, I guess, you know, the way I would describe it is, is it, to see them play the game that we had sort of hoped they would play all year, right? I mean, it all came together uh, like we talked about. Um, I do want to ask Wags one question. Um, it, did we see it right that X started the game? Um, and what, what happened there? And then he came out with it, what looked like a, a hamstring injury. Is that right? Yeah, he did his hamstring. What was the deal with that, Wags? Yeah, well, I'm glad Chris brought that up because uh, X was a big part of the game plan. And it's really sad for him that he wasn't able to deliver his part. But you may have noticed that Navy came out in a unique formation. They basically came out in a pistol formation. Yeah. And Ty Lavatai actually started the game, but Xavier came in and ran the next two plays. So Ty ran play okay. one, and they had Carlinos Acey, the slot back, as the fullback or whatever behind Ty Lavatai. And so... X came in and he gained 10 yards on a little keeper because in that pistol formation, he's perfect for that with his, you know, jitterbug style. And, uh, you know, they wanted to run him out of pistol a few times because they thought he could be dangerous and make some plays. And sure enough, he gained 10 yards, picked up a first down and he, he pulled the hammy and you could tell he, he was going toward the sideline and you could tell it was a hammy all the way and, and he was not able to return. So it's a shame. He was a big part of the game plan going in, and he only got to play two plays. But Ty ran the pistol well himself, even though it's not doesn't really suit him running style-wise. But it was a nice wrinkle, and they didn't do it all the time. They used the fullback. They went in their normal formation quite a bit. But I thought the pistol look was effective, a nice little wrinkle that the coaching staff brought in. So I, I do have to direct people at a couple of tweets. Number one, I, I the social media vitriol was a bit more uh, was a bit edgier this year than I've than I've seen in years past. There's a lot of back and forth, a lot of crap, and um, you know it, it it did feel like the rivalry had an extra bite to to Ward's point you know, with a little bit of the extracurriculars going on down in the field. And I think that that was to be expected, right? Like, hey, we play this game in front of just the brigade and the core up at Mikey Stadium last year. Now you're in front of all these fans. It's been a tough year. Um, you know, it, it, it did get very chippy. And I loved, 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 loved the hand grenade uh, that Diego gave uh, his teammates for the coming years. And, and you heard Kenny say this, the future of Navy football is bright. And that is true with how many freshmen and sophomores played. Wags talked about kind of the hollowing out of the junior class through COVID and the transfer portal. But all of these guys getting playing time and then ending on a good note like beating Army to get to four and eight on the year, to finish with two straight wins. 
at, to get another star. Um, now we're nine and one in star matchups this year, um, which is just hardcore dominant. But for me, my favorite thing, and if you don't, if you haven't seen Jamie Erdahl's video or, or uh, interview with Fago at the end of the game, it's absolutely fantastic. Like he's, I mean, number one, his head is shaved from the Marine Corps service selection, which isn't a great look for him. He needs to grow that back. Number two, you can just see the emotion on his face. Like it is fantastic um, how happy he is about beating Army, um, beating their little brother, as he said in a separate quote. But then Erdahl tries to ask him this really like smart question like, hey, was you getting that ball in the fake punt and stiff arming that guy and jumping over another one? Is that just kind of emblematic of, of your career, you know, to this date? And he was like, uh, I guess. And uh, then he walked away, which was absolutely fantastic. I mean, he was like running around the field. His happiness was all I needed to see. And I, I've, I've watched the Erdahl interview with him probably six times today. Um, and, and how he just very frankly answered the fact, like, I had no idea that ball was coming to me on the fake punt. Like I, I just caught it. And, and he was like, I, I think that's just God. Um, so I thought that was amazing. Um, I was so, so very happy. Um, Wags, I, I, I have to congratulate you. The story that you wrote was so good. And the picture, um, that Paul Gillespie took of, uh, who was on the cover here, um, yeah, the picture with Clay Cromwell, um, you know, on the cover with the, uh, with the words big finish and that's how we did it. Um, so Wags, I'm going to let you and Ward have your last words on this, but for me, I thought it was a big finish. I think it's a great way to finish the year. I think coach Ken is right. They've got a very bright future. And on December 10th, 2022, I expect him to sing second again. Yeah, well, that that is a poster front is what they call that in the newspaper business. When you put a giant photo on the entire front cover of the sports section, that's called a poster front. And it was absolutely apropos in this instance. And uh, that is a great photo of Clay Cromwell basically celebrating a big defensive stop. And I'll mention the defense. You referenced it earlier, John, but Newberry and the defense deserve immense credit. Army was rolling this season, led the nation in rushing, put up a lot of points uh, against everyone. I mean, heck, they scored 56 points against Wake Forest. And Navy stoned them. Newberry, after the first quarter, uh, that's basically when Army did all of its damage in the first quarter, two drives that produced the early 10-7 lead. Um, Navy held Army to 91 total yards from the sec beginning of the second quarter on Diego was everywhere. The defensive line played fantastic. Shout out to those guys in the trenches, Donald biscuit, Bernard, Clay Cromwell, his fellow nose guard, Jarius Warren, the defensive tackle, Jacob Busick defensive end. It all starts up front and those defensive linemen deserve total kudos. And Jarius Warren was in the, post-game presser, and he said, our, our, my lineman, we, we, we played hard today. We played strong. He was very proud of his unit. And then everyone else from there on back, Michael McMorris, uh, how many times did he break up passes? I couldn't believe Army kept trying to test 
Navy's best pass defender, but that's because their top receiver, Isaiah Alston, I believe is his name, big six foot four guy. He's their best receiver. That's who they target like 70% of the time on downfield throws. And they thought they had a great matchup with him being so much taller than Michael McMorris. And Mike, Mike McMorris was up to the challenge. And Coach Niamat said after the game, I was happy seeing him throw at Michael McMorris. Go ahead and try to beat our best corner guy. He's been a great player for four years. Um, and I'm also going to reference something that uh, Ward brought up about chippiness. But there was a couple things in particular. Number one, Diego, you know, he he did a little extracurricular by holding on to Anthony Atkins, the fullback's ankles, like way beyond the whistle, like blatant. He kept holding on, wouldn't let him go. But Atkins reacted in a really embarrassing way. He got his foot out from, from Diego's grasp and then stomped on Diego. And when he got caught doing it, he faked like he hurt himself, fell on the ground and act like he injured himself, which he didn't because he's back in the game on like the next series. But that was embarrassing. And I'm, you're going to come to find here today that there was a punch thrown after the game it was over. An Army player threw a punch at a Navy player after the final whistle. And that just should not happen in this game. I mean, it's going to be chippy. And these guys don't like each other on the field, but show some decorum and some respect. You don't throw punches at, after the final whistle of an Army-Navy game. I'm sorry. That's bad, and it's going to be brought up, and we'll name who it is who did it. Um, but, you know, just an incredible victory. Coach Niamatololo and the staff, they've been through so much this season. My God, it seems like a year ago that Ivan Jasper was fired in the locker room after the Air Force game. And Navy needed this. This was so uplifting for everyone associated with Navy football. And now all of a sudden everything's in a different light. And I think this would be good for Ward because Ward is the one that said, beat Army and it's all forgiven. And this suddenly puts things in a different light. Instead of being down in the mouth and saying, what's wrong? And we got to make some coaching changes. Now you're saying, wow, Navy finished strong. Four and eight, we know that we could have won three, at least three other games, and that's a, that's a winning record, seven and five against one of the toughest schedules in the history of Navy football. And then you got all these young players who stepped up, and you're thinking, we got a lot of ballers coming back, some talent in the program. Now things are looking up. Warden? No, I totally agree, Wags. And to your point, at the uh, I was at the after party at the stadium and, and talked to uh, a few of the coaches, including Coach Newberry, and, and uh, spirits were high. And Chris and I were talking sidebar before we started to, to go on air here and just, you know, do the 180 of that. And, and had we lost, uh, the, the atmosphere obviously would have been considerably different. So as we say in Navy football, especially uh, when we don't have a great team like the Weatherby years, you beat Army and that's a winning season. So um, this was such a huge, huge victory We've already talked about how much heart they showed. I think, Wags, to your point, on that first drive and when Ty got peppered right at the eight-yard line and he kind of pivoted because he could have just as easily, you know, got, got knocked to the ground and he pivoted and then that scrum pushed him in. That's like an Iwo Jima flag-raising moment for this team. 
you know, that really should be like a statue next to the Blue Angel at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. It was, it, it's just frozen in time in my mind's eye. And I just remember being, A, so proud of Ty, you know, because we we love that family and we're very close to Gina. Um, and, and he showed a lot of heart. But then the team not accepting that that wasn't going to be a touchdown. That was sheer force of will. It was smash mouth. Like, yeah, okay, you guys got a quick score with that first drive, but we're here to play. And that just changed everything. You cannot overstate how that gave Navy the confidence they needed to win this game. Um, the other thing people were, the prognosticators were saying up front that turned out to be true, and this is why, you know, the over and under was what, 35, Chris, and, and the line was eight, um, you know, so what, where there was probably a reasonable uh, stat is that based on strength of schedule, Army was not as good as their schedule indicated, and we weren't as bad as our record, I mean, as our record indicated. So that's what proved to be true. You know, it's like, who's going to deliver? Who's going to have the most guts and heart? And it turned out to be Navy. Um, a little more pageantry piece, um, just to talk about, you know, the the because we always talk about how amazing the Army-Navy game. This did not disappoint with respect to that. Now, the weather wasn't awesome. So the, the Leaf Frogs had to cancel their jumping, bringing the flag into the game. I was right by the guy when they made that call. And they, if I don't know if you guys noticed, they flew their, their jump airplane over and dropped the streamers. But it was you're like, what are they going to do? <laughs> jump at 800 feet or something? It was really, or lower than that, like 200 feet. Um, you know, or you can just like free fall until you break out of the clouds and then figure out where you are. Um, I know the SEALs have some amazing capabilities, but they, so they made the call, we're not going to do it. So we're like, oh, okay. So I guess they're not going to do any flyovers. And then that four plane of Super Hornets, two from VFA 37, two from VFA 213. And I had a chance to talk to the 213 guys uh, as, you know, an Oceana alum. Um, a very cool looking diamond. But I must say, I got chills with the Army flyover. That was so badass. It was a little bird, um, two Apaches, and an H-47 Chinook. Badass. Like, why would anybody fight us? You know, I mean, this is, it was just so cool. That was and so. That just set, you know, this is Army-Navy. This is what we do. It was beautiful. The last thing I'll say to Wags's point about the punch. So uh, that wasn't okay with Coach Monken. I'll just say that, right? So it's not like he's, you know, this isn't, um, you know, Pete Carroll here. You know, he's not encouraging uh, sort of dirty play. Um, and so that, that, that will get nipped in the bud. It, I think it was a function of the frustration of the COVID season. And the, yes, John's right. Social media can, you know, light the fuse a little bit there. Um, but, but let's not imagine that this rivalry is going to get like, you know, Steelers, Ravens, you know, or, or Caps, Penguins. It, it, that's not what's happening here, America. So uh, let, let's not overplay that. But it was, you know, noteworthy. And, and I think it's just going to get crushed right from the outset. No, no. I mean, I, Jeff Munkin is a class act. And the, if you saw the embrace that he and Coach Nina Matalolo engaged in at midfield after the game, you could see Jeff whisper in his ear, I love you, brother. Yeah, and, no, it was a big, big hug. And the other thing to that point, Wags, is we got the Nehemiah high step, right? Yeah, so, I love it. Good, <laughs> right? And he, so I'm like, he, he's, he's kind of not going to – he didn't notice that Munkin was looking for him. He's just doing the high step. And all of a sudden, they, they – caught sight of each other and 
you know, it was, it was a beautiful moment. But yes, it, it was a it was a sincere, you know, uh, expression of of mutual admiration and and you know, uh, affinity. Right? It's great to see. Yeah, yeah. No, I always love those uh, Nehemiah high steps turn into memes on the internet. You know, that was a good one. Up. Yeah, and then no, he got I douched with uh, with I think red Gatorade because I was standing by him during Navy Blue and Gold, um, and he was he was. His yeah, white, his white the, uh, you know rivalry pullover was was stained with with Gatorade. Nehemiah needs to consider the health of Greg Morgenthaler when he comes storming off of the field, <laughs> high stepping, and Morgenthaler is trying to get the headset off of him. Right. And, you know, it's it's like poor Morgenthaler is getting like run through, run ragged because Nehemiah's uh, celebrating. Um, hey guys, um, <laughs> we, now that you're in the stadium on the field and could see it straight up right in front of your face and ward had it close up more than anyone so did i because i got to see the guys in the locker room and up close uniform battle who won oh, oh maybe. maybe for maybe. sure this is yeah. like like you guys called it right of course i was going to love it but that that sort of look and those colors um yeah it, it's top five top three that was a great one uh, i think we we want there so they're uniform and they, they call that army uniform pinks it looks pink you know and they're wearing the hoodies that were that khaki color but it looks like it's pink right so i i didn't i didn't love it i know it had a lot of deep meaning with their you know sf dudes um but uh oh they okay so in terms of the pageantry too right at the end of the game the chairman was right there so i got to have a little bit of a high five with him um and and he said a, a few uh you know sort of uh this game's always awesome kind of things. Um, got an up close look at Lee Greenwood, which uh, I can't unsee. Um, he's made of leather and black string. You uh, know? Oh, um, man. It's really strange, you know. Um, he was talking <laughs> to Chet. In fact, I guess Chet's a big fan of Lee Greenwood. Um, and so I, we had just come out from halftime, and I didn't – did he sing the song at halftime? Yeah, yeah. There was, there was all yeah. sorts of God His bless song? the USA stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't know that I didn't hear the halftime pageantry, but we go out there. I'm like, hey, it's Lee Greenwood. He's about four four feet eight inches tall, and he uh, is. He's like Tom Cruise yeah. short. It's distracting. Yeah. yeah. So I'd never seen him in person before, and it was, uh, you know, a bit shocking. <laughs> uh, it's always fun, you know. Her, I, 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 uh, Herb Street and I uh, exchanged points, and uh, you know that was kind of cool. Um, and uh, yeah, great. I mean, it's just what this is top three army navy for me you know it was just end to end you know i, I, I was, agree it was oops. pretty damn awesome i've been to a lot of army navy games and there was just something about this game that proved special to me i guess the 9-11 stuff the 20th anniversary new york is a rarity navy yeah, needing kudos a to new york for hosting that's a good point wags absolutely you know, they're always philly's always uh you know we always want to keep philly honest by going other places from time to time in new york brought it i mean from they the did. locker room attendants to the cops the new jersey state troopers oh my god those guys are awesome you know yeah love those I agree with so i i i did the soups convoy back and forth um which is now my new standard uh sorry alumni association i'm now writing with the soup wherever i go um and so um <laughs> we don't funny because when you're when you're getting escorted you're kind of like hey suv get out of my way you're all of a sudden you're like in this air of expectation as you're on i-95 and the new jersey turnpike but by the time we got back last night and it's like midnight 30 right 
We were in a three bus convoy with the soups, a little SUV leading us with the New Jersey state troopers. And they handed us off to the Maryland uh, state troopers at the border. Right. Um, but by the time we got back to Annapolis, we we're coming over the 450 Old Severn River Bridge. We had 20 buses and it was just this beautiful, you know, all raised in gate eight and parked in front of of Halsey Fieldhouse. And it was the team. It was the mids. And so I'm walking back to the to Bancroft because I parked, you know, by Dahlgren um, and I'm walking with the brigade. It just felt so nostalgic, you know. Um, and it was just magic. The whole, the whole weekend was fantastic. So, and the win, right? I mean, what do you, yeah, uh, big win. I agree wholeheartedly fellas. Big, what better way? Yeah. What better way for the brigade to end the semester? Uh, the last day of classes, I believe was Friday. Um, I think they have reading days and then finals this week, and then they get to go home for, uh, for Christmas. But yeah, just like, you know, like, uh, Mike Hekimovich and, and, um, and Bill McKinney were saying, you know, and particularly Bill Squires too, like winning the Army Navy game changes the entire year for the brigade. You know, Ward and Chris can tell you that, you know, it just changes everything. So before we go to the break um, here on the Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis postgame report, I've got two dates, actually three dates to throw Ward and Wags, and I want to get their thoughts on it. Um, on February 3rd, 2022, the East-West Shrine game will be played. Diego Fago will play in that game. On April 28th is the first day of the NFL draft. And then just one month after that, as we about as we start Memorial Day weekend, uh, you know, Naval Academy commissioning takes place. So Wags and Ward, Diego Fago, um, leaving it all out on the field, you know, the awesome interview with Jamie Erdahl, the incredible performance yesterday, the entire year. Um, what do you think happens uh on the date of the NFL draft? And you know, will he get commissioned as the second lieutenant um, or will he take advantage of the DOD allowance for uh, for playing in, in the pros and uh, choose that route? Well, uh, Diego Fago's getting drafted. You can bank on that. And that Army-Navy game was a A-plus audition for the NFL scouts. And what it told me was that Diego Fago was playing with – Bumps and bruises, nicks and cuts all season. He never came off the field. He even played multiple special teams, as we saw with the fake punt. Um, Diego Fago is an absolute pro. And I do believe Del Toro, the new secretary of the Navy, who was front and center, they showed him a lot on the television broadcast. He was on the sideline getting a lot of FaceTime. I guess uh, uh, Secretary of Defense was there as well because he did the coin flip. But I believe Del Toro is going to greenlight Diego going pro. Uh, if he paid attention yesterday, he saw that the guy is definitely worthy. I mean, Diego finally got a break, and the bye week before Army, two weeks off, made a world of difference Diego Pago. He looked like – I mean, Diego's been fantastic all season, but there was times this season when I could tell he was worn down. And when I did an interview with Diego for his senior profile for the Army-Navy game, he admitted as much, said it's hard to play every damn minute of the game. And, and he never came off the field, never. And he got worn down over the course of a long season, a physical season. And just that two-week break between games, he looked like a completely new Diego Fago, so fresh and full of energy. And he was awesome 
against Army. So, yes, I say Diego Fugot gets drafted. He gets greenlighted to go play in the NFL, and he makes his, a roster of an NFL team for the 2022 season. Yeah, I, I concur. And the only thing that disappoints me there is I've seen Diego, and he's a leader, and I would like him leading Marines um, in, instead of, you know, a practice squad at the New England Patriots. But um, whatever. Godspeed. You know, he's a rare talent. Uh, I love the idea that he will have his shot in the NFL. He deserves it. So, you know, and yes, Wags, SecDef was there. I know this because I jeered at him as he was walking by our locker room. I said, keep it fair, SecDef. And he looked at me like, who the hell are you? And he was, you know, who's in trail. Chris Wait a second. SecDef doesn't listen to your pod, your, uh, your uh, YouTube Yeah, well, I mean, he's a West Point guy. He was a West Point guy, right? So I'm like, oh, okay. right? you know, and so, um, but um our good friend John Kirby was there. So I hadn't seen him for a while. And, and oh man. Speaking of Tom Cruise short. The whole world came by our, our locker room there before the game. I, I had a little conversation with CNO as well and, and uh some other stuff. But that's again part of the fun, uh, is that sort of thing. The other thing, since sing second, we don't, we're not homers, we keep it honest, right? So it must be said that Secnav mangled the oath of office when he was swearing in those recruits. He mangled it. Okay. I just got, I can't not say that. So there you go. Uh, well, I, uh, I agree with both of you. I don't think Diego is a night one of the draft. He's certainly not going to be a uh, first round pick second day of the draft when they do rounds two and three, maybe like I, I, I could see him, um, as a third round draft pick, I think he's probably a fifth rounder. He reminds me very much of Josie Jewell, uh, who's the middle linebacker at Iowa and is now on injured reserve at the Denver Broncos. I think Diego's quicker, bigger, um, and more athletic than Josie Jewell. And Josie Jewell was the starting linebacker for an NFL team until he got hurt this year. So um, I, I think that's going to happen. And I agree with Ward. Would I love to see that kid down at TBS leading Marines, learning how to be you know, an infantry officer or whatever MOS he goes into. Yeah. But I would love, love to see that kid's energy out on Sundays. I think it's going to help the Naval Academy brand immensely. Um, so uh, Wags, I'll give you the last word before we go to break. Well, I just want to say it's not, if he goes to the NFL, it doesn't mean he can't ever serve as a Marine Corps officer. The way it's set up right now is if you don't, if it, your career is over and you're done, um, Cameron Kinley's back in the Navy. Because um, his NFL career is over, he, he ain't making. Now Malcolm Perry got picked up by the New Orleans Saints, but had he not, and fin he finished out this season without being on a team, he would have had to go back in the service. So you could see Diego go leading a Marine Corps unit at some point. And uh, last thing I'll say, because we got to take it out, we've been on a long time. Um, Diego is really stoic in the way he answers questions, and in the uh, post game, someone said, "Was that you that?" Got stopped the Army quarterback on the fourth down play at the end to win the game. And he said, yes, me and the other 10 defenders on the field. <laughs> He's just that way. He's kind of got that, you know. But, uh, John, I'll let you take it out. <laughs> Again, if you haven't watched the Jamie Erdahl interview, watch it. It's just phenomenal. A um, couple last points. Uh, according to Scott Strassmeyer's research, Yesterday's attendance, uh, which was 82,282, was the largest attendance in an Army-Navy game since 1974, 
when 83,000 fans attended the game at John F. Kennedy Memorial Stadium in Philly. Navy, incidentally, won that game 19-0. So, yeah, as we go out, um, kudos to all the fans who went up there. From Chris and me, many thanks to the Hubert family uh, for hosting the Bombs Away tailgate. Super fun. We saw a lot of people. The weather held. I mean, it wasn't nice, but it certainly could have been worse. Um, We mentioned it already, but good luck to the mids as they tackle final exams this coming week and many, many safe travels to them as they go home. When will we see you next for football season? Well, if you look at the future schedules on September 3rd, 2022, the fighting Joe Flacco's of the University of Delaware come a calling to Navy Marine Corps Stadium. Uh, So that's when we'll see you for football again. Uh, Remember next year, I think I've conflated it a couple of times, so apologies to the listeners. We don't play Army in Baltimore next year. We play Notre Dame in Baltimore next year on November 12th, and then the Army-Navy game returns to its rightful place, although you guys were dead right. New York outdid itself, and it was an unbelievable hosting uh, up there, but we will see Army again on December 10th, 2022. As we go out, one last uh, result from this coming week or from this weekend uh, wrestling as we talked to coach Cole out about took on Maryland on Saturday as we were celebrating uh, the big win over army the wrestlers went into Maryland a very very good Maryland team um, and really wrestled well they they lost 18 to 16 I know that that's no solace for coach Cole out, uh, but wrestling was not able to pull it out against Maryland um, on Saturday. Today, as we record this Sunday, men's and women's basketball are both on the road. We'll bring you those results next week. But for Ward and Wags and Chris, we want to thank all of you for listening to us. We're out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segments.